In this episode, I talked to a hypnotherapist, Claire Aristides, about her once healthy life where stress actually manifested a long array of health issues from her 30s. Welcome to Allergy Proof, the podcast dedicated to helping hardworking women with health issues get through life. Hey, I'm your host, Ashley Templer, and I have more allergies and intolerances than you can count on one hand. I'm that person that BYO snacks to parties. I'm also that person who spent thousands of dollars trying to get to the bottom of my symptoms. From running my own social media agency, Pep Creative, and skincare brand, Yours Only, I know a thing or two about navigating a very busy schedule with ongoing health issues. Join me as I give you my tips, interview your fave biz women and health specialists to help you solve and manage your autoimmune conditions or allergies. Want to hear more about my story? Head to yoursonly.co forward slash about where you can also pick up some very allergy friendly products. Hello and welcome to episode 17. So before we get started, I just want to acknowledge the fact that in Melbourne, we can now exit the house without a mask on. And my life has completely changed. We still have to wear masks in places where we can't physical distance. But for me, who has very bad sinus and breathing issues, it is going to be life changing. So I kind of feel like I'm going to go on more walks now and spend more time outside because it makes my life a bit easier. Anyway, today you're about to listen to an interview with someone by the name of Claire, who is the founder of her own jewelry company, is the wellness and tech innovator, a trained clinical hypnotherapist, and also the founder of Mindology app. Her story really stood out to me because as you hear throughout this podcast, she also has Hashimoto's disease, but didn't really know about it until after she had seven miscarriages. She had a few tips that she might have something wrong, but she kind of left it. And she was quite healthy until she actually had a lot of stress in her life. And Claire used hypnotherapy to help her get through all of it. And then once she worked out that it really helped her get through a lot of her health issues, she actually ended up becoming a hypnotherapist herself. And then after all of that, she decided to start her own app, which you'll hear all about. It is super long, but a very interesting story. So make sure you stick around to hear all of it because you'll want to try hypnotherapy afterwards enjoy. Hi Claire and welcome to Allergy Proof. Hi, thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. How are you today in the sunny Sydney? I'm great, yeah. I've got, I'm looking out into my garden, Star of Jasmine is blooming, Uh, it's green, there's sunshine. It's it's been raining um, last week so it's nice to have dry sunny day and enjoy the weather. Yeah, enjoy the nice days. I know it's starting to get nice in Melbourne now too, so I'm loving it. So for people who don't really know you, do you want to just give your elevator pitch of who you are? Yeah, sure, sure. So um, my name, I'll I'll say my surname because everyone always asks me, how do you say your surname? Claire Aristides. So my quick, um, I've got a couple of um, elevator pitches um, depending on the audience, but so I'll, I'll merge them into one. So I, when I finished uni, I um, did a, a Bachelor of Arts Psychology. I went into the corporate world, uh, got a bit burnt out with that and uh, followed my dreams to make and create a fine jewellery brand, um, which is one of my business babies and I love love her very much. Um, but about five years ago, I had um, had a lot of health problems and I had a lot of, I put myself under a lot of stress with my work, my business, and I was, was not well and I was struggling with fertility. So I trained, I saw a clinical hypnotherapist for 12 months 
And uh, that led me into training as a clinical hypnotherapist, uh, working with other people, and uh, then creating my own app called Mindology. And so here I am today. What a good elevator pitch. Well, (laughs) that basically sums up everything we're going to talk about today because we're kind of here to talk about your health journey. But I always like to start by asking people what they were like growing up because I always find it kind of weaves into their uh, health story. So I was a very, very robust um, child. I was never ill. I didn't break any arms or legs. Um, I think I got some stitches on my scalp when I was really little, three or four stitches when I was three or four. Um, I banged my head. But, yeah, I was a really healthy, fit. I swam a lot. Um, I grew grew up in Brisbane. I, I had great health, um, thankfully, and my parents um, were healthy and, and um, you know, gave me nutritious food. Um, so I had a great little healthy up, upbringing, actually, yeah. That's good. And what about your personality? What was that like? Um, well, I've always been, I'm a Leo, so I've always been um, a hybrid of competitiveness, mostly about myself and my goals. Um, I would be described definitely as I was outgoing. I um, I was caring of my friends. I wanted everyone. I went to an all-girls school and there was lots of bickering and all-girls Catholic school. <laughs> A lot of bickering and <laughs> politics and things like that. So that was quite. That was that. I found that um, hard, and I know lots of people find school hard for that for that reason. Um, so I know, actually, being a mum now, I see my son take you know can take things to heart, and I can have a different perspective being older, thinking no, that that little boy that's picking on you. There's things going on for him. It's not about you. It's about this this other little boy. So it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. And then it kind of shapes you as who you are as an adult as well, I find. A lot of the people that, you know, may have been bullied or gone through hard times end up being so on top after with so much confidence. Well, yeah, I know. There was something when growing up, you know, don't you don't want to be the the all-American, I mean, no, we're not American, but the, you know, sort of all-American sweetheart dating the, the football player. Yeah. Often they crash and burn early. You know, you want to be the geek, the nerdy, not you know finding yourself one and and bloom later in life in your mid-20s or early 20s mid-20s so yeah I mean you don't want to grow up too fast either and and be here's my moment at 15. So when you finished your girls high school what did you choose to study at uni? So I went on this is funny I went on schoolies week which I'm I'm not sure if that's still going with obviously not with COVID. It is. Oh, actually not this not this year, but it still exists. Yeah. So schoolies week in in my um great just mental state at schoolies week, I yeah, changed my degree from Bachelor of Commerce to Bachelor of Arts and I majored in psychology. And I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder for a long time um about doing it because at the time arts was not a very high, I don't know if it is now, it wasn't so so I sort of um I got into commerce, but then I changed to art. So but I, at that early stage, um, I could see I was interested more in human dynamics and human behaviour. Um, when I finished, I found uni hard. I didn't particularly make um, really long-lasting, uh, like I'm not in touch with anyone from uni. Um, 
but what it did is it I, I did lots of different um, subjects and it opened up my eyes to obviously leaving an all-girls school and it gave me probably uh, if I'd done commerce I would have ended up being in a very sort of set route or path and and what it meant is I've done lots of different things with my career and, and not conventional commerce route which I'm kind of glad well I'm very glad actually that 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 I chose to do a psych, but I didn't practice straight away. I wanted to get, I thought when I finished uni, how am I going to, I've had, you know, barely any life experiences. I don't understand myself. How am I going to help anyone else? So I I worked, I I joined the corporate world working in, uh, first of all, MLC and then Lend Lease and ended up in IT of all things. Oh, random. Yeah, so I ended up um, a programmer. Well, I I learnt Lotus Notes, um, which was long gone now. Some companies may still have it. I I learnt Lotus Notes, worked for Lend Lease for a few years and and then I took that and I moved over to the UK and got a really fun, great job working with KPMG, doing um, analyst work with all the partners through throughout KPMG. And it was an amazing experience. So, yeah, so I, I ended up in corporate world for a while, um, but um, I did eventually leave corporate world to, to go to Diamonds. <laughs> I feel like that's such a common thing, though. Like people get so burnt out and then they just do something really left of centre. Yeah, the only caveat I would make is I think, People in corporate world may think, uh, do whatever I want. It's different stresses. Like, you know, when you start your own business, it's not carefree and I can have coffee. No. <laughs> you can have coffee when you want, but there's different sets of pressures. So if you're leaving corporate world because you think this is going to be this whole new carefree life and, and not in the rat race, you're not technically in the rat race but you're in a different kind of pressures and and issues for yourself when you're self-employed and and running your own business as you know yeah I definitely know so then when you decided to quit you started your own little jewelry line yeah so I've I've got a fine jewelry brand called AFJ and we we make what I like to call modern heirlooms so we make tennis bracelets, diamond studs. We do a lot of eternity bands, precious, monumental. We're, we're often, you know, a piece of jewellery for someone's birthday or anniversary. We, we lived in Singapore and mum, we were expats and, and the, the culture there is very much was in the time, gift giving. So mum, mum had some very on PC, but like an ivory elephant brooch with a ruby eye and you know tiger eye beaded bracelets she had ruby rings sapphire rings like really for me as a young girl it was like wow look all these colors and and yeah it's funny you say that because when I was in primary school my mum worked at Estee Lauder and I was just obsessed with all of the skincare and makeup that she had I used to like steal it from her cupboard use it on like I don't know I was probably going to the movies or something but I just used to love the feeling of it. So it's funny how like when you're younger, you pick up on something and then you end up working in it. Yeah, it becomes part of you, I think, or it comes integral somehow to you. And so that's not your only business that you have at the minute. You also have Mindology, which is your new app. Yes, yes. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that, I guess, when we talk about your health journey. But do you want to give us a wrap up of where it's at at the minute? Uh, so we launched in January on the App Store and Google Plays. And so that was um, interesting interesting process during that launch and it's basically I brought hypnotherapy 
and guided visualisation into an app to give audios to work on specific things that you might want to work on in for your mindset, whether it be stress and anxiety, trying to aim for a calmer mind, to what I call inner strengths of confidence, self-belief, changing your self-talk. And I'm, I'm really passionate about people seeing hypnotherapy as not something, not the stage performer um, hypnotist um, and seeing it as, as a really um, powerful therapy that can, can make real changes in your life. Um, so it's called Mindology and that's my second business page. Yes, I love it. I've definitely used it and I think you have a very calming voice. Thank you. Thank you so much. To get into why we're really here, it's mainly to talk about your health journey and then how that's kind of formed your businesses. So I guess let's talk about what your health was like from probably a teenager up until now. So in my teens, healthy, healthy. Um, in my 20s, healthy, healthy, strong, fit, a lot of yoga in my in my 20s. I did sport like tennis and activities like that, a lot of swimming. I've always loved swimming. I had a great 20s with my health. Then my, so my dad passed away um, just before my 30th and that's when probably my stress started to catch up because, I mean, in your early 20s, you think you're invincible. Well, I did. I think we all did. Bulletproof, everything's, you know, I'm not, I wasn't aware of um, any health issues. And then with, with my business, I started to become very stressed with my business and, and uh, put a lot of pressure on myself. I would do things like, I don't know, I would try and accomplish like 10 important things in a day and not obviously get them all done and then put myself under a lot of stress and pressure. And it kind of took its toll. I remember coming, um, seeing a doctor and she mentioned to me about my thyroid reading or something. I can't actually even really remember the conversation, but she just said, oh, we might, we might need to watch that. And at the time I was flying back between Sydney and London and I just ignored it because I, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm fine. And I was very stressed. Like I can remember physically feeling like my stomach would, you know, that when you're so stressed, your sort of stomach turns over and you, I don't know, your body is consumed with it somehow. I know it so well. <laughs> Try and release the, the pressure and the stress and that. I just, just kept going. And then I, um, I had a lot of problems having my first child, my first son, and we were we were about to do IVF, and we saw this um, lovely uh, doctor, and she said, "Look, go. We, we're going to go to Greece for a holiday." So she said, "Go on holidays, and and let's just see what happens when you go on holidays." Anyway, we went away for six weeks to Greece, and I worked less. I put down the phone. I didn't get back to everyone, you know, in ten seconds flat. I I had to wait. If I had to wait twenty four hours, I had to wait twenty four hours, and I just chilled. And wouldn't you know, I got pregnant. That's crazy. Yeah. And then uh, fast forward, I we're trying to have a second baby, um, and it's not working out at all. And actually, at this point, that's right. I at this point, I we're back in London, and we're going out for my birthday. We were staying in a hotel and I felt this humongous lump on my throat. And I said to my husband, Mike, I've got throat cancer. Oh, my God, it's my birthday and I've got throat cancer. And he was like, what? Anyway, this just, I don't know how I did not recognise, I 
see this thing before. I think it was the mirror in the hotel room, one of those really bright illuminated lights, and I saw this shadow and then I felt this huge lump. At the time, we were doing a three-month stint in the UK, and it's really hard to get into good doctors in the UK, and that's another story. I got a scan, and they said, look, they, we think it's um, it's a goitier from, from your thyroid. We, when you get back, look into it, you know, get it assessed properly. So you know, as soon as I land on the plane back into Sydney, I'm, I'm at the doctor's, and it was, um, so they, they x-rayed it. Bottom of the story is I'd had... Um, a thyroid issue for say six years from that initial doctor saying I think we should look at your thyroid to manifest it itself in this humongous lump and uh, I had what uh, Hashimoto's disease um, it was the diagnosis and I had um, a serious thyroid problem as soon as he told me I thought Claire, if you had listened, to be fair to me, I had had a series of blood tests and it had triggered some markers had come up but they hadn't been followed through with the GP and also signs that uh, so I was continually having miscarriages when I was trying for my second so I'd had something like seven miscarriages and I don't know why no one you know said to me should we get your thyroid checked now whenever I speak to anyone who says you know they're trying to get pregnant or they've had miscarriages you know have you at least ticked off your thyroid's okay um, as like 101 of, of, of getting pregnant. But so I started on uh, taking uh, medication and thyroxine. Uh, Hashimoto's is uh, autoimmune disease. And I truly believe it was caused from me stressing out about my, my business and my work and, um, and taking it all way too seriously and not looking after myself. And it manifested physically me as Hashimoto's disease. It's funny you say that. I mean, it's not funny, but um, I just released a podcast today. A friend who has Hashimoto's disease, you also know that I have Hashimoto's disease. And she was working for MTV in London and was working ridiculous hours. And mm. she got diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease because she was so stressed and working all the time. It's crazy. And it's the, the craziest thing for you is the fact that you actually really healthy up until then. You know, your body just was telling you to stop. Yeah, but also what I was doing is I was just go, go, go and never like refueling the tank. So I, I think I had all these reserves and I just burnt them all out. And then, yeah, my body just went, what is going on here? I knew I was stressed and I knew things were stressful for me and I was under a lot of pressure, but I thought I was coping. Like I, I, if I even now I look back and I thought, I think I just assumed I've got this. I've never I never thought it would manifest into something. And it obviously had a huge impact on our, you know, fertility journey for our second child. It meant um, that uh, I just said, right, well, we're going to stop trying naturally. We're going to do IVF. But I think, and this is purely speculative, that I, I feel like I that stress for five years, undiagnosed um, thyroid issue affected my eggs. and. Uh, we, you know, we had a really slim, slim chance of um, dealing with uh, of IVF. They gave us a really, really low chance um, with with the numbers. Um, and at that point, I thought, right, I'm going to go back. Hypno hypnotherapy come into my life um, prior when my dad was ill, and I thought I'm going to come back to to hypnotherapy, which I viewed as like a a, a dear friend or 
someone I could count on and I um, just spent a year seeing a clinical hypnotherapist winding the stress from my body and also then seeing in my mind my body in a different way and healing my body and seeing it as fertile, a fertile place for um, a little baby to, to feel comfy and cosy and grow. And But it was a good nine to 12 months of doing that and um, supported with IVF treatment before I fell pregnant with my second child. And it makes me sad that I could probably have given up, but I'm a bit of a <laughs> dogmatic. Um, but I, I do know people who, who have had a lot of heartache with miscarriages and they've given up. And, it, you know, it makes me sad that if your health is not properly assessed or you, you're not somehow given the knowledge or because um, you and you're exhausted from maybe the heartache and the stress and everything together fertility doesn't doesn't work out and and um you know for people who really want to have children that that makes me you know sad it's like there needs to be a checklist and a bit more information about thyroid I feel like it's um, I have a, a lot of, I have at least three or four girlfriends that have thyroid issues. Yeah, there's there's not much information. I was diagnosed when I was 23, which is so young, and it was really hard for me to get diagnosed. It would took about 12 months for the doctors to actually diagnose it. I, it took me about eight doctors. So many doctors were like, you're too young, you're too skinny, you're too this, you, sh- you can't have it. And I was like, I know I have it, I need you to test me for it. And they wouldn't took a really long time. The specific doctor that ended up diagnosing me said that I had to have it done over a space of four months to see how my levels changed. So that obviously brought in a lot of time. I don't know why, but that was how mine Mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. But then like, I was just told just to take the thyroxine and you'd be right. But I was never educated on the food I should be eating, the exercise I should be doing, that I should be relaxing. At the Mm -hmm. time I was at uni and working two two jobs Mm -hmm. and no one said to me, if you have Hashimoto's disease, you need to just chill out. <laughs> no one. Yeah. 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 And then obviously I've been similar to you, just working and working. And like, I've always worked really long hours, no matter what I've done. And mm-hmm. then it's only been maybe the last two years that I've realized, okay, hang on, this isn't good mm-hmm. for your thyroid. Like this is not healthy for you. No, no. And you also, you can't be productive working, 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 working all the time. You just can't. Um, you might think that when you're, you're younger, but you can't sustain it. And you, you really need to recharge and refuel the tank to, to kind of keep that stamina and not have burnout. It's it's effective. I think for me, I think the Hashimoto's it's, was a symptom of burnout and I didn't realise, I didn't realise in that, I didn't realise the huge consequences it would have on me for my, for my my life because then IVF was a whole nother stressful torture. I was a basket case to begin with taking all the drugs and it's very, very um, uh, emotional. You, you don't want to be around people who have any element of self-doubt about your chances of falling pregnant. So you become a bit antisocial. That's so hard. So when you fell pregnant with your second child, did you was that through IVF? Yes, it was. Okay, that's good that that was successful. Yeah, yes, it was our last round. I probably would have said another one, kept going, because I just was dogmatic that I I wanted a friend for my son, like a a sibling. So I, yeah, it was a lot. It was number five, and I had they call you to say when they've taken the eggs and and, um, put them in the, the little jar, they call you to say what is a viable embryo and. 
they've taken five eggs. There's one. There's maybe one. Do you want to give it a go? I was like, yeah, uh, let's give it a go. And then that ended up being my my little Cleo, my daughter. That's such a nice story to get at the end of all of that. Yeah. I mean, my daughter then, when I did fall pregnant, she went then on to have a heart issue. So she needed a heart surgery at oh, day 11. And then uh, so she had a full defects of the heart. So she needed heart surgery at day 11 and then heart surgery at six months. And that also was a real learning point for me because not one email mattered when that, so, you know, nothing in the world mattered. Um, so I think that's a real extreme case of, um, you know, health issues. When you're, you're really faced with something really critical in life, life or death, no, nothing work-wise ever really matters. Or if you let your friend down for coffee last minute and they're upset, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Make up with the friend, give them a little gift. If they're true friends, they'll get over it. So <clears throat> it's also letting letting go of, definitely with the hypnotherapy, trying to encourage people to just let go of the emotion, like don't store it. Because it, do, I, I feel like it does stay in your body and it does manifest. In my opinion, for me, it manifested itself into thyroid issue. So don't hold on to it. Let it go and and move it on and get and forgive people more and see that they are, can be idiots and that's okay. That doesn't mean you need to whip yourself up into a, a mess over some fool on the road or some fool who's done this. Do you know what I mean? And I'm finding a lot of people are internal stresses and then that's where it's manifesting because it's an internal thing where they're just like so anxious about things but to your face they're just all happy and getting it all done. So Mm. you're so right in saying that. You need to just let it go and then that's when you're actually going to be properly calm. Yeah, yeah. And and also, I mean, I think there's a thing that I talk about which is called the lens technique and like, is this is this stress really something you're going to be thinking about in two weeks or two months or two years? If not, drop it. Yeah, I guess it's all about mindset, isn't it? And switching the right to the right mindset to power through. So when you fell into the hypnotherapy to actually practice it yourself, where did that sit within your health journey? Um, so I um, I'm so my my thyroid's um, managed and all fines so I'd had my daughter I'd um, my hypnotherapist um, through my daughter's heart surgeries um so I found out at 30 weeks pregnant isn't it funny or I have to say this about intuition so you have either at 24 weeks or 26 weeks I can't remember now um you have a final scan from the obstetrician but my body was something in me said you need one more scan and so I said to my obstetrician I just want to have one more scan he said you don't need to you've had the 20 or 26, I can't remember, um, scan, you're fine, everything's fine, Claire, you don't have to worry because I was gone to such, you know, great lengths to have this little baby. Anyway, I go for the 30-week scan and so what she has called tetralogy of alloy, which means four issues of the heart and it's like I wasn't allowed to leave the um, scanning place until they kind of worked out. Yeah, so I'd, I'd been there two or three hours, my mobile phone had died, battery had gone and everything. Um, but my body was telling me, go and get that third scan, uh, my instinct or my gut, um, that 30-week scan. And so I found out at 30 weeks um, that she had the heart defect. But I kept seeing my hypnotherapist through that to get me through the stress and the, the, the overwhelmness of the heart surgeries. And then when she was all sort of 
good. Um, I felt like she was she was fine, and she'd had her second surgery. I I found a, a an institution and a tra- and and trained. Uh, she's called Rhonda Stewart, and she's one of the best in Sydney. And um, yeah, I, tra- I trained as a clinical hypnotherapist and loved it. Such a good career move. So then, what does your day to day life look like now? So I put on one hat, which is the jewellery hat, and I deal with the inquiries, the emails, the quoting, the sourcing, briefing the EDMs and everything, and I've outsourced a lot as much as I can. So I'm much more of a manager than, and that was part of my problem with my business is I was doing, and at the t- I also had a shop at one point, so I was doing everything. I couldn't go, I couldn't delegate, delegate. I, I would get frustrated if someone was taking three hours to do something because I could do it in an hour because I knew everything like the back of my hand. Um, so I found it really hard to let go to staff and I had a lot of staff, um, managing staff, I found incredibly um, difficult. So now, yeah, so I put the, the jewellery hat on and I put AFJ hat on and I deal with that and then I close that for the day and then I go to um, Mindology mode and I deal, deal with that. I've learnt so much from my my jewelry um, business that is transferable. The skill set into mindology, and vice versa. Mindology has given me more patience and um, seeing people's perspectives differently. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, so when you are working on mindology, are you working with clients, or you're just pushing out the app? Yeah, so both. So I still do um, one-to-one sessions um, via Zoom or in person and then I um, a lot of corporate workshops now. So the Mindology platform has six different core components to it. So confidence, calmer mind, resilience, purpose, leadership and communication. So they're workshops that you can do and then it's that's all supported by the app which has the hypnotherapy meditation audios um to to listen to um as often as you can to kind of really get down into your unconscious mind yeah and what's your vision for that brand i feel like there's just so much that it can do for so many people and people who don't understand it as well well i'm very protective about hypnotherapy being seen as a therapy and not um sort of creepy creepy las vegas performer with a stopwatch for me and and my colleagues my work colleagues in in this space it's a very serious um and profound therapy that can actually really help people make changes in their life and and i recently i'm reading a book at the moment where a a leading neuroscientist in states is using hypnotherapy uh, to, and visualization to help his clients move off heavy heavy pain meds and in their mind, they're creating, they're, they're visualising the communication between the pain cells and the brain cells, which are sending the pain chemicals and the pain relief chemicals and so forth. And they're, they're, he's, he's teaching them how to use self-hypnosis to manage their pain rather than be doped up on pain meds that they never fix you, for example. You have to keep going with them. So... I just think it's a really interesting area. It came into my life with my dad. So what my dad did was when my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer, they said, said, you've got three months to live, Max. Um, And a friend of his from his golf club said, um, who was from England, this was in Brisbane, said to my dad, 
you won't know this about me, but I'm actually a hypnotherapist and I worked on ships and I worked with the Navy and apparently he worked with the CIA in the 50s. Um, and he said, come around to my house, we're going to have a cup of coffee and then sit down. Um, so my dad would come up, go to his house sort of once a week and they'd have a cup of coffee and uh, Ray would hypnotise my, my dad to do a couple of things, that to just calm dad's mind because he'd been given a death sentence. And then they worked on actually visualising the tumours and the tumours, first of all, staying um, static in size and then slowly shrinking them. This was all while my dad was still doing chemo. Must make that very clear that um, hypnotherapy, I'm not proposing it replaces modern medicine in any way. It complemented um, uh, the, the, the chemo. It calmed him down. Even um, I remember Ray saying, well, right, we're going to do one where we're seeing the chemo go through your system and it finds and it's efficient and it, and it just gets those cancerous cells. It finds every single one. So, like, it can help the person deal also with, with the treatments they're going through. And long story short, my dad lived um, an extra two years and then I do feel like he started to go, what's going on here? I thought they said I have three months to live. What was two years down the track? And then he died three months later. Um, yeah, wow. So he, yeah, so I, I just... Something a lot of people use, and they might not call it hypnosis or self-hypnosis, but sports people get themselves in the zone. Surgeons will get themselves in the mindset or the, in the zone to see their surgeries going how they want. Um, musicians often in their mind are seeing and telling themselves very, very elite sports people um, will use a form of self-hypnosis to just tell their mind and, and their body, kind of get that mind-body connection and and make the suggestions to themselves and their mindset what they what they want for themselves. You've like convinced me to do it. I've been actually recommended to try it because of all of my stomach issues. Um, a lot of gastroenterologists, the doctors have suggested doing it because apparently, you know, a lot of stress can interfere with your gut. Obviously, there's a huge link between the two of them. Yeah. It's on my long list of things I need to do, but yeah. I feel like you've convinced me to try it. You can you can really simply start the process by just when you in you know do some sort of meditation or you're just focused on your breath, actually even just seeing that the breath goes to your tummy and just um seeing that the tummy is calm and still. I mean, the thing I do with my my son gets butterflies whenever he's anxious, and we do this thing where he so he imagines all the butterflies in his tummy is dark and he can't quite see them and then he does his breathing and then they, it becomes all light and they're colourful and they're friendly and they're not sort of scary thoughts. They're just um, little flutters of, you know, energy and excitement. So a hypnotherapist might do a, a metaphor of a choppy waters and which is all your tummy all stressed and choppy waves and, and feel uncertain in that water and then they might describe a story of where it's calmed down and it's still water, nice and peaceful and tranquil, and that's what your tummy can be. So that's that's a really quick example of how storytelling and metaphors is used and, and visual, visual mental imagery is used to help the individual create that sense and feeling for themselves. 
you fully convinced me. Now I'm like thinking about calm water and not worrying about my stressful day that I've got ahead. Yeah. So as I said, I've definitely used the app, but you've also been suggested in like Harper's Bazaar and Thrive and Balance. So what has been your journey to kind of get it out there? Uh, yeah, good question. So um, yeah, I've done a lot of corporate um, work and that's led to people downloading the app. Um, the app stores like reaches lots and lots of people. Um, to go big, I this year I finished doing an investment program. It's called SBE3, and it comes out of um, the Springboard Enterprises, which is a female-focused training camp, if you like, or training academy to prepare you for how you pitch for capital. And that might be um, through a venture capitalist or that could be friends and family, uh, that could be um, angel investors, and it gets you pitch ready and really define what your business is. So I'm um, at the moment on, still on that journey talking to um, venture capitalists about raising funds to, because taking a, an app, consumer product big, you need a lot of cash. Yeah, yeah you really sure. do. Well, for everyone listening, I hope they downloaded after listening to this. But I'm going to ask my final questions and they're what I ask everybody. So what is your advice for anyone who has any unresolved symptoms? I think the big thing is I would also say, like, if you feel something's not right, you know, go with that feeling because that could be your body telling you something. If you feel there's there's something there, you know, we talked about the gut brain. The gut is your second brain and it is telling you something. So do follow your instincts. I mean, I followed my instincts with that, having that week 30. Mm. Um, my Something was like, no, nah, I've got to have that. Good tips. So the next is three tips on how to manage flare-ups when you have a busy schedule. Build your toolkit of what calms you down and what works for you. So uh, whether it be the bath, the, the walk, uh, listening to the podcast, listening to Mindology app, whatever it is, don't, don't, don't skip it. What you're looking at possibly then is burnout and sleep. Sleep, to, your body repairs when we sleep. So if you experience a flare-up, I think take care of yourself, sleep, create your, little, your self-care toolkit or um, routine that works for you. So I wanted to finally ask if people need to find you, where can they find you? So I'm on Instagram. My tag is Claire Aristides and then mindology.app. I'm also on Instagram. I do, I'm sorry, LinkedIn. I do a lot of articles and um, about mental wellness um, as opposed to mental um, ill health. And uh, so I'm on LinkedIn and so is Mindology. And get in touch. Yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone. Thank you again for sharing your story. I think you'll help a lot of people. Thanks for having me. It was great to chat. Thanks for listening to this episode of Allergy Proof. If you know someone who would benefit from listening to this podcast, please send this episode their way. I'm here to help women thrive in life with all of their health issues because I am living proof. Make sure you hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you can listen to our latest apps which go live weekly. This is a totally independent podcast, so I really do rely on subscribes, reviews, and word of mouth to spread the word. You can also find some more helpful tips on Instagram at yoursonlyco and more from me, your host, at Ashley Templar, spelled A-S-H-L-I. Catch you next time.